Welcome to the LFC podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. We're so glad you've tuned in, and we believe that God will speak to you today as you listen to this message. Oh, can, can someone help me? Can someone? Oh, Jacob, Jacob, very good, very good. Glad I got that in the otter box. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a long story. Do you want to hear it? So, so you know, Jacob, I'm I'm married to a taskmaster, and, and um, you know, there's a there's a big honeydew list. And where you, Jacob? Where'd you go? Don't you even care? See, that's what they do. They act like they're concerned, but then they're not. So I'm I'm working and I'm checking off this list and I'm cutting. Wood, and then all of a sudden, I got a splinter in my finger. And that's what's, that's what's going on right now. It's got a splinter in my finger. <laughs> How many know some people that do that? <laughs> How many are sitting next to somebody? Now, wives, listen. Your husband is serious when he's hurt himself, right? Right? Well... Some people do that, you know, they get, they're, they're, they're hurt, they're whatever, and, and they, they want you to know that they're hurt, right? Amen. They got to know. Inquiring minds need to know, right? Well, the Bible talks several, uh, in several places about healing, but when it comes to crutches, here's what we have to understand, Crutches won't heal you. Come on, someone talk to me here today. Crutches won't heal you. They can aid in the, the, the healing process, but they can't heal you. But many people go throughout their entire life with a crutch. Come on go through their entire life with the crutch, not so that they'll be healed, but so everyone will know their story. Uh-huh. So listen, crutches actually have been around for a really, really long time. As a matter of fact, crutches date all the way back to uh, Pharaoh, you know, 2000, 3000 BC crutches were, uh, were made and they were custom made out of wood and they had all kinds of car, uh, carvings in them to signify, hey, don't steal my set of crutches. Now, we, how many have got a set of crutches in your garage hanging somewhere right now or in your attic, right? You hold on to those suckers because those are expensive, Right, you, you, I, I happen to borrow these, but listen, we've had crutches all over the house. But crutches won't heal you; they will just aid in the assistance of that healing process. Well, the Bible talks, and we're in this series called Healing, but the Bible talks in several places about healing, and it says this in Proverbs chapter twelve, verse eighteen. It says this that some people make cutting remarks. Some people refer to them as men, they really got a sharp tongue or they're, they're really quick-witted, right? How many wish sometimes you were quick-witted? How many people are, you don't have a really good comeback until about five minutes afterwards and you're like, dang it, 
I kind of let that one rip, right? You, 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 you want that one, right? Some people make cutting remarks, but it says this, but the words of the wise bring healing. You know, when we think about healing, we just think about I've, I've, I've stubbed my toe, right, in the middle of the night, and your toe will find the corner of something in the middle of the night every single time. It just will, right? Well, healing is more than just physical. There can also be a healing within your emotions, there needs to be a healing with your emotions and who you are. Can I tell you, the individual that doesn't want things to get better, right, emotionally, but they still rely on crutches so that everyone can see, can I tell you, they're in need because there's a hole in their soul. They're in need of something. Malachi talks about healing. This is so powerful. The Lord of the heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming. That sounds like a great day, right? The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for those who fear my name, how many people fear his name? But for those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you're gonna go free, uh, leaping like joy, uh, with joy like calves out to pasture. There's healing. We need Jesus to come and to heal us in our spirits, but we also need for him to come and heal us in our souls. I love what Jeremiah has to say, and this is so good. Jeremiah 17, verse 14, it says this, Oh, Lord, if you heal me, I'm going to be healed. Uh, if you heal me, Lord, I am truly going to be healed. Lord, if you save me, I'm truly going to be saved, for my praises are for you alone. We need God to heal us. Can I tell you, you know, uh, we use antibiotics if we've got a, a bug or something like that, right? We, we, we need some assistance. But can I tell you, when God heals us, he does, he does it all the way. God does an incredible and he, listen, he is, he is nothing short of the miracle maker. Can I get an amen in the house? Well, last week we started looking at a verse and we're gonna look at it hopefully next week as well. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the word of God gives us a, a description of the complete package of who we are as individuals. And it says this, and can, you, can we just all just read this together out loud? Here it is. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God's word is giving us three different descriptions of what makes us up. Look at your neighbor and say, this is who you are. 
He's given us three different ideas of who we are. And it's not just an idea. It's just not a, a, a theory. It's not just a concept. This is set in stone. This is how we were created, soul, spirit, and body. David Gusick commentary, he says it like this. This is a trichotomist view of man. It believes that man and woman are made up of three distinctive parts, spirit, soul, and body. But you will always notice this. When the world talks about this, uh, the, the, the three, they switch it around and they talk about it. Well, you need to be whole body, soul, and spirit. Right? Come on, someone talk to me. You, whenever the world talks about this, it talks about body, soul, and spirit instead of spirit, soul, and body. Why is that? Because the world places a greater emphasis on your physical well-being than it does your eternal spirit. Right? This body it can, can, can burned up, be destroyed, right? And, and, and what happens? But that spirit that is spirit is of eternal value. And that's why as a believer, we've got to realize that God not only wants to heal us in our spirit first, but he wants to get to our soul. He wants to get to who we are. And that's what we're gonna focus on today. Many times though, I find that when it comes to our soul, and we're gonna break this down of who we are, when it comes to our soul, many people are just bound. Many people are just bound up in their soul. So I, I want us to understand because there can be a lot of different misconceptions uh, when it comes to soul and spirit because many times we just throw that all in the same, the, the, the same bucket right? And we hear stories about it. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he's way behind. He was willing to make a deal. See, it's crazy that I even know that, but I love Charlie Daniels, right? I love him. I love him. <laughs> but the clean version of that song, someone will, someone will, someone will get that. The devil was looking for a soul to steal. He was looking for that person, that persona. Many times we will hear, hear some things, and this was a great illustration that Pastor Lori, uh, how many ladies were at Bloom Friday night? Um, and, and so the very last illustration was a, a portrait called Checkmate uh, that was hanging in the Louvre Museum and the, the Mona Lisa was at that museum, the artwork and the, the picture was called Chessmate and on one side, do we have that picture? Can someone pull that, can someone pull that picture up and just, just show it real, real quick? Um, what, um, what it was depicting was a chess game and kind of saw an, an angelic being in the background, but on one side you saw the devil who was really cocky, right? But on the other side you saw another man that was just kind of, uh, of grieving. And, and man, well, the whole theme behind it, there it is, the whole, the whole deal was whoever, went, if, if he lost, the devil was going to get his soul, well, the whole idea about checkmate is uh, when they came back in, I don't need steal the thunder, but he came back in and you saw uh, a world-class uh, 
uh, chess champion came in, was viewing the museum, and he came upon this, and he was looking, and everyone kind of went along, and he just kind of stood there looking, looking for hours, just kind of looked in perplexity. He'd walk away, and he'd shake his head, and man, it, because this guy's in trouble over here, right? Checkmate. And all of a sudden, it just, the light bulb came on, and he called the curator, and he said, hey, listen, there's, someone's going to have to change the name of this portrait, or um, they're going to have to come in and repaint this. Well, you can't repaint a masterpiece, right? And so he's like, what are you talking about? He said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a chess champion. I'm a world-renowned chess champion, and I've been standing here, and it says checkmate, and it, and it, and it gives this depiction that the game is over. The game is over, and this man is going to lose his soul to the devil. But upon later, later I just keep staring at this, and it's going to have to change. Why? Because this man, it's not checkmate, because the king over here has one more move. The king has one more move. Can I tell you? The king has one more move over your life, over your soul. He has one more move. Talking about the soul, we can see that sometimes in our soul that there, man, we're just, we're on lockdown. Psalm, the psalmist talks about it. Psalm 13, verse two, it says this. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? With sorrow in my heart every day, how long will my enemy have the upper hand? We, it's, if you read through the book of Psalms, you're going to notice real quick that many in, in the first part of it, David, he is, he is a psalmist, and there's other one, uh, other uh, psalm writers. But we'll, we have to understand that David was running for for ten years of his life or so. He was brought off the field. He was anointed king of Israel, the true anointed king of Israel but yet he didn't have the crown. He didn't have the authority and he was running for his life. Can I tell you, there were holes in David's soul. There was holes in his soul that God had to fill. So when we talk about our souls, there's several, in the, in the Old Testament, the word for soul, the, the, the Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. Nefesh means your life. It means the person, your person, poke your, poke your neighbor in the shoulder right now, right? That was his knee, but I'm just saying. Poke him in the shoulder. It's, it's, it's your, your, your persona. Your soul is your mind, your, your heart, yourself. It's actually your will. How many have a stubborn will? Uh-huh, absolutely, that's, that's all of us. It, it means your desires, your appetite, right? Your, your, your appetite. It means, your soul means your emotions, um, your, your, your passions. In the New Testament, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same, but it, it gives some additions. It means your, your mind. It actually means in the Greek, um, suke. It means the seat of your feelings. How many have ever heard men, they really wear their feelings on their shirt sleeve? How many said that just this week? I'm just asking for a friend. Hey, don't get mad at me, right? The seat of your feelings, it's your desires, it's your affections, it's your aversions. In other words, it's your, to sum it all up, it's your mind, it's your will, your soul is your, are your emotions, your conscience, your soul is your personality. Years ago, and these guys won't even know what I'm talking about right here, but years ago, um, before there was even such a thing called caller ID, 
We had like a lime green telephone that was on the wall. And if you were in that generation that I grew up, there was not a push button deal. There was a, and you could really got, if you got the close numbers, you're like, right? Really quick, you, could, you knew those numbers. But yet there was this like curly cute that was matching the phone, right? Lime green, right? And so you, you'd be talking on the, hello, how you doing? And you would go and all of a sudden it was like you had a dog leash on, right? You couldn't go and you were trying to do some things over here and talking, right? How many feel my pain, right? You know what I'm talking about. Well, before the caller ID, before, you know, before you could screen your calls, right? Because some of you, you're like, oh, I ain't answering that. Oh, it's pastor. I ain't answering that one. Mm-mm. Not taking that bullet, right? Well, before that, you just had to pick up the phone and you just, it, 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 you, it, you just had to, you were rolling the dice right there. That's all. You didn't know who it was. You didn't know if you're going to be on the phone for hours or just a few minutes. If you were talking to a guy, hey, I didn't, mm, mm, right? Well, here's what, here's what, many times you could tell who they were without them identifying who they were. Why? By the sound of their voice, by their personality, by the intonation in their voice. So are y'all tracking with me here today? It's, it's, it's your soul, it's your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. Well, when it comes to our soul and its healing, I want you to hear what Pastor Jensen Franklin has to say about this. He says this, that psychologists tell us that one out of three people have experienced physical, emotional, or even sexual abuse. One out of three. And most are ashamed to talk about it. And they walk around with uh, a hearts that are filled with resentment, thinking not only about the offender, and here's where it gets tricky, but also the people who should have protected them, but they didn't. And then it says, the truth is, if they do not get help, the memory just the memory of what was perpetrated against them can end up hurting them even more than the actual event that happened. How is that? Because they won't let it go. That memory has become part of their identity. And can I tell you, there's a story that all of us have of things that have happened in our life, right? They're stories, but that story doesn't have to be part of my identity, right? That story, and we'd like to talk about it like this in our Christian walk, our testimony. Not who I am, but who I used to be and what God, God used, to, he brought me out of that stuff. We used to sing a song back in the church days. This song, he brought me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the what? The rock. He set my feet upon something that is solid. This, huh, Psalm talks about it, about this prison, that we're in, it says this, I cried out to you, O Lord, for you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend uh, to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. 
Notice it doesn't say, bring me out of prison. He said, bring my soul out of prison. Remember, my emotions, my mind, my appetite, who I am, right? Oh, they're just, a, they're just a bundle of joy, right? Who I am, bring my soul out of prison so that I can praise your name for the righteous shall surround me for you shall deal bountifully with me. What this is doing is this is giving us a description that they're calling for. God, bring my soul, bring, bring my attitude out of prison because I do want to praise you which is meaning that there are many people walking around and they can't praise God the way that they should because they got a hole in their soul. They need healed. Come on, someone talk to me here today. They need healed. You see, God will use the difficult and painful things in life to shape the message that you carry. There's where the testimony kicks in. Instead of, well, I just, it just this is what happened. Your, your, your language changes when you've been healed, right? Your language, there's, it's not seething. You're not just hacked off all the time. Your language changes and you, you know what? I, I don't tell this to many people, but this is what happened in my life, but I want to tell you what God did for me on the other side. You see, your language changes when you're, when you're whole, when you're, when, when you're healed. But many times when your soul is injured by a person, even the very sight, even the very picture of someone who perpetrated on you, even if you see him at the grocery store, you'll turn that cart back around, you'll go to the other way. Why? because there's a hole still in your soul that God wants to fill. You see, your battleground experiences, they're gonna give weight to your words. They're gonna give weight to your words. But we've gotta make sure that we don't allow the pain from our past experiences to become the excuse for not doing what God asks us to do today. Listen, you don't get to choose your story. You don't get to choose your, your wounds that you're going to receive, but you do get to choose what your response is going to be. Right? You can choose what your response is. In other words, you hold the keys. You hold the keys. Look at your name and say, you hold the keys. Well, Today, we're going to take just a quick look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, and we're going to look at verses 3, 4, and 5, because I believe that this passage of Scripture has what we are going to need in order to get whole, W-H-O-L-E, in your soul, Right? If there's a hole in your soul, you need to get whole. Come on, that's a play on words. You have to, you're like, wait, what, what? For those of you who skipped spelling class, this is gonna be very, very difficult for you today, right? If there's a hole in your soul, God will help you to be made whole. Well, number one, your soul can be healed. 
today, right now, I want you to hear this, right now in this place, your soul can be healed if you, number one, quit being a copycat. Quit being a copycat. What in the world does that have to do with anything, right? What in the world? Well, look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And for so many Christians, we're taking our cues from the Kardashians Come on, we're taking our cues from live television from the Chrisleys, right? We're taking, <laughs> she's like, oh yes, I just felt that over there, right? I, I, I just felt that, right? We're, we're taking our cues from the world instead of doing what God is telling us to do. In other words, here's how we deal with situations. We will fight fire with fire. We'll fight fire with fire. So when someone does me wrong, I'm gonna give it back to them. When someone does me wrong, I'm gonna give it right back to them and I'm gonna come back with that snappy little answer. And then you got a little Rolodex right there, snappy little comeback remarks, right? Oh, that's a good one. Oh yeah. How many knows the struggle, right? <laughs> you know the struggle, right? I got no words. <laughs> I got a word. Bam! That's, that's the word right there, right? Quit being a copycat. Quit, quit fighting fire with, with fire. The word of God. Don't we live, even though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's what the world does. They fight fire with fire and they're gonna let everybody know their business. They're gonna get on social media when someone's done me wrong, when my boyfriend uh, went and, and you know, he's tweeting somebody else and all these different things. This is what's going on. And now what we're doing is we're putting all of our business that is no one's business so the world will help us deal with our business. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so now we're not really putting stuff out there for therapeutic reasons so that we can get healed. Now we're putting everything out so I can gather people to my side so that they're gonna be on my team and know that Johnny is not good. Even though the world says, Johnny, be good, he ain't. He ain't. See, no one likes, no one likes my stuff here. Come on now. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Well, we tell the world how much we have been wrong. We let it out on social media. And there's other people, listen. There's other people that they, they stuff things down. They're not gonna go to social media. They're not gonna do that. They stuff things down so much so that now they're emotionally constipated. Come on, someone knows what I'm talking about. They won't talk about it. They shut down and they push everything. They just push it down. It's like a trash compactor in their soul that it's just so jam-packed, right? So either way, that's what the world will do. They'll go on and put people on blast so they're just gonna keep shoving it down over and over and over again. That's what the world does. 
But can I tell you, sooner or later, all that stuff is going to come out. The Bible talks about it. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bring forth good. Right? Well, then it says, but an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance, everybody say abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to tell on you. That's exactly, the uh, abundance means a surplus. Things that were, were left over, it's, it's above, more than enough. It means exceedingly, abundantly above. You see, when we start fighting like the world fights, you're just showing what's going on and rolling on in, inside of you. When you're seething mad all the time and you're talking about something that just didn't happen just five minutes ago, but something that happened 25 years ago. Come on. What's happening is you're fighting like the world. Can I tell you, you'll never receive healing in your soul if you fight like the world fights. You'll never, it'll never, ever happen. And then you wonder why no one wants to be around you. Because every word that comes out of your mouth is seething, just hacked off and negative all the time. This is where we get it. Hurt people hurt people. Now you're gonna get birds of a feather, right? You're gonna give get people that gather around you that they love. They're drawn to drama. They're drawn to negativity. But the vast majority of people that want to speak truth into your life that you keep rejecting because you love your identity. See, no one wants to talk about this kind of stuff. But there's got to be healing in your soul in your emotions and who you are. Can I tell you, every single person in this room, there's a reason for you to be healed in your soul. There is a place that has got to be healed. How do I know that? You don't know my story. <laughs> the very reason that you even thought about that just right there. You don't, you don't know who I am. Out of the abundance of the heart, you're just telling on yourself right now. Right? And so we've got to understand that if our soul is going to be healed, we've got to quit being a copycat. Proverbs says it like this don't envy violent people or even copy their ways. Don't copy the things of this world. Romans tells us this don't copy, in other words, duplicate the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, I love what this is saying here. There could be things in your life that is held up because you're not willing to be made whole in your soul and therefore you're delaying the will of God over your life. I don't want any more delays, amen? Look at your neighbor saying, no more delays. 
So first one, if, you, if your soul is going to be healed, your soul can be healed if you quit being a copycat. But number two, your soul can be healed if you start fighting with divine power. It's right here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 4. This is verse 4, the one before it, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. But verse 4, for the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. For these, we- uh, these weapons, on the contrary, they have divine power. Everybody say divine power. These weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. I don't know about you, but I want strongholds demolished in my life. I want the strongholds demolished in your life. I want strongholds demolished over the generations that's going to follow you. I want uh, uh, those things demolished that are are here on this property, here on this land, before we were even born. I want those strongholds. I want those places that the enemy has dwelt. I want him gone in the name of Jesus that he has zero influence anymore, anytime, any place. So your soul can be healed if you will start fighting with divine power. And can I tell you, one of the greatest ways that you can be healed in your soul is to follow God's word when it comes to power. And it's found in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And it says this, but you will receive power Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses and all around this world. When the power of God comes upon you, God is going to do great things. Can I tell you, it's not going to just be a witness about what Jesus has, has, that Jesus died on the cross for the third day, but you're going to be a witness to the fact that God has healed you in your soul. Look what God has done. There's going to be a witness in your spirit. That's the fighting with divine power. And can I tell you, and I used this word the last time, it's behoove. And I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good in that place. It behooves me. Isn't that a serious word? I still don't know what it means, but I'm going to use it. It behooves me when pastors and people who call themselves teachers of God's word literally take this passage of scripture and throw it out the window and kick it away because they don't understand it because somebody on my granddad's side and way down the line and someone taught this and they thought this was good and you're continuing to open up your mouth and teach people against the divine power that God has given us. There will be judgment come when we are denying people of the power and the authority that the Holy Spirit desires to bring upon our lives if we tell people, hey, listen, that's not for today. Mm. You see, your soul can be healed if you'll learn to fight with divine power. And listen, this is not a, a, a Holy Spirit, uh, you know, it's, the, the focus isn't on that. But can I tell you, there are times that you don't know what to say and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will pray through your mouth and you're like, what in the world is that? All of a sudden, there's something that happens in your soul that you begin to pray in the Spirit and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden, those hills, those mountains that the enemy raises up, all of a sudden they start melting like wow. 
relax. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, you're praying the divine will of God over your life. I want God's will in my life, right, pastor? I want God's will in my life. The Bible goes on to talk about this divine power and and how it equips us. Hebrews says it best, may he equip you with all that you need for doing his will right? For all that you need in doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. I find it in Philippians talking about this, this power and how we need to fight with this divine power. This is what's interesting in Philippians chapter four, verse four through seven. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always, I'm going to go ahead and say it again, rejoice. That's what, why, why did, why did the, the writer of Philippians, why, why, did, why did the apostle Paul say, why did he say that? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Why? Because we forget all too soon that we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord when other things are flying out of our mouth other things and we're just given the attitude. Listen, you don't have to say a word and you can see it, it's seething from you. You can walk into a room and some people, you're like, what in the world did I just walk into? Your personality, your soul can set the climate in the room around you. Am I right or am I right? You know it. You know it, you can walk into a room and no one says a word and you can tell, something's up. And I want no part of it. And you go the other way, right? You're the smart one. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm gonna say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. But I don't wanna. Right? I wanna give him a karate chopper number one. Right? I, 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 I don't want to do that, Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. We get so worried and teach our children that Santa Claus is coming to town, but we fail to tell them that the Lord is watching. He's watching our attitude in our hearts, but we all get the giggles and kicks out of saying, oh, you better be careful because you're not getting any presents. You're going to give those kids presents and you know it. And then it says this, don't be anxious about anything. Listen, when somebody does you wrong and you're playing the somebody did me wrong song on Spotify over and over and over again, you're gonna have anxiousness in your spirit. Can I tell you, the reason why you're doing that is because there's a hole in your soul. You need for God to come in and just get some Holy Spirit caulking and fill in the gaps, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I love this. And the peace of God, once you do all that, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, we don't understand where the peace comes from, but we are allowing God to do his work. And now all of a sudden there's a peace that comes out of nowhere over our lives. In other words, your soul is being healed because you're wielding divine power and you're fighting with divine power. Can I get an amen in the house? Well, 
2 Corinthians 10, it says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Verse four, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we like to talk about that, but we gotta put it into action. And then verse five, it says this. We demolish arguments and every, boy, every, that's an all-inclusive word, isn't it? Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, your soul can be healed if you'll start silencing the lies. What I find interesting is that the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And if we look at prayer as a dialogue, right? In other words, I am talking to God and I know that he speaks to me. If the word tells us that we are to pray without ceasing, that means that God is not gonna stop talking to us. And so we, when we're talking with God and we're, we're, we're communicating with him, he is continuing to pour into us and, and tell us. But all along, listen, it doesn't matter. When you start praying, the devil will start shouting. The dumb dog will start barking. The cattle climbing up the curtains, right? You know, it's craziness. The things that happen, why? Because the devil wants to distract us because he does not want us to communicate with God. And he'll come up with every situation in the book. And then what happens is he gets his little portable sound system and he starts speaking the lies that he knows that you're going to listen to. He hits you where it, hit, it, it hurts the most. And he'll start going back and he'll hit that recall button on things that happened years and years and years ago. And he starts repeating them over and over again. And then your mind starts wandering and you're thinking about that thing that happened, those situations that happened. And you may not even have been there. You just heard about it, but now it's still hurting your spirit. And all of a sudden the devil brings something that happened uh, months ago, days ago, years ago, decades ago. And he brings it up and you're living in that moment like it's real time. How many know what I'm talking about? You're living in that moment right there. In other words, you're giving ear to the enemy and the next thing you know, you're picking it up again. And you're limping and you're, you're lame again. And now, now you're not just doing it to yourself. Now everybody is knowing that this, now I'm making this my, my identity and then we come into church. <laughs> we come into church just like this and we're not willing to let go of the lies of the enemy and then we try to praise God with it. I want you to think about this. We try to praise God through, oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. Put it down. 
God, I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages. Put it down. I'm standing on your faithfulness. Put it down. (sighs) Do you see it? There's a hole in my soul. But instead of listening to what God has to say, we're limping along in our Christian life. If you're with me, just say amen. Amen. And see, here's what happens. Moms and dads, sorry. Grandmas, grandpas, sorry. But here's what you're doing. You're teaching the next generation to learn to walk with a limp, to lean on a crutch for something that they didn't even experience. Come on, it's real. It's real. There's a hole in your soul. You see, we've got to stop transferring the pain of our past to the next generation. Give your pain a different name that's useful to your children's future. Use your wounds to produce greatness in your kids. And it's only when you release your grip on the past can you secure your grip on the future. Here's what I found. You'll never be able to silence the lies of the enemy if you keep repeating them. Instead, can I encourage you? Maybe you're here today and you're limping along like this. Maybe you need to open up your mouth and begin to confess. I am God's child. I have been, I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. I have been redeemed. I have been forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I am God's workmanship. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. It's time to let God heal the hole in your soul. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you desire to grow deeper in your faith, we want to help you. Text the word GROW to 419-495-6802. To check out all of our upcoming events, head over to limafirst.church and click the events tab. Lastly, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future messages. Be blessed.